0: The evil of corruption reaches into every corner of the world. Corruption lies at the heart of the most urgent problems we face.
1: Welcome to Confidential Brief, where Chad Thomas takes you into the stories behind the issues facing our society. You're listening to Corruption. Uh, corruption Busters Confidential Brief. I'm being confused with our predecessor's radio show, the award-winning radio show Corruption Busters, which uh, evolved into Confidential Brief so that we could cover more interesting topics outside the realm of just fraud and corruption, but also looking at the intelligence um, and the, the political uh, ramifications of a captured state. Today we're going to be chatting to the chairperson and the executive manager, respectively, of the Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners, the ICFP, uh, Marianne Whittles and Krista Beer. But before we get there, we're going to talk about two of the, the biggest stories that have made headlines the past week. This past Friday, we saw a press conference with uh, Advocate Patoy. She, as you're well aware, is the National Director of Public Prosecutions. And she introduced to the media and to the country at large the new head of the investigative directive within the NPA, Advocate Kronir. These two ladies are fine prosecutors, but there is a lot riding on them, and we saw that in the president's speech the following day at his inauguration, where he's had this to say, and this is what I had to, what I took away from his inauguration speech. He said, let us forge a compact for an efficient, capable, and ethical state, a state that is free of corruption. And this is my observation of what he said, and of course the very coincidental um uh, press conference the day before at the NPA headquarters in Silverton. A state free of corruption is not just an ideal; it's a must. For without corruption, or very limited corruption, as I doubt there will ever be no corruption whatsoever, will be a state where the interest and well-being of the people become paramount and sacrosanct above all else. Nowhere else in the world is the disparity between the haves and the have-nots as obvious as that in South Africa. We live in the most unequal society in the world. It it does not need to be said that there's a direct correlation between corruption and the lack of service delivery. This is obvious for all to see. And herein lies the importance of what President Ramaphosa had to say at his inauguration. Enable for our country to rebuild its reputation and attract foreign investment, and in order to address the fact that the poorest of the poor have been forgotten. The fight against corruption cannot just be an ideal. It has to be the most important aspect of this president's term of office, and rooting out corruption should not be seen merely as one of the many um, challenges he has, but perhaps the most important of his administration. I'd like to remind you the views expressed on the show are not necessarily those of High FM. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High FM. Before going to break, I mentioned the importance of fighting corruption in South Africa. And something that I've said many times is that there's a symbiotic relationship between the public and private sector when it comes to corruption. One cannot exist without the other and both have an end objective and that is the plunder of the public purse. And I think the same can be said for the investigation of fraud and corruption. It should be a joint public sector and private sector initiative. With this in mind I've been trying to get the ICFP, the Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners, into studio for so long to chat about the initiatives that they've introduced to ensure that people within the private sector are qualified and ready to take on this challenge. So joining me in studio today is Mary Ann Whittle. She's the chairperson of the ICFP. Mary welcome. Thank you. And Christa Beer who's the executive manager. Chris welcome.
0: Thank you, Chad You've persistent on that
1: yeah. I, I have been persistent I've wanted you guys in the hot seat for such a long time Because there's such a massive misunderstanding um, Amongst the public Especially when it comes to the role of the state In the investigation of crime But also the role of the of the private sector And it became even more confusing When Harry Nell went into the private sector um, To every forum and began a, a unit That would prosecute in terms of private prosecutions So I'd like to start with you, Mary Ann The ICFP When was it structured? Why was it structured? And what is the purpose behind it?
2: Well, you know, in 2007, a group of forensic um, practitioners got together um, in order to look at a more local market in order to grow the forensic fraternity within South Africa. Now, at that stage, um, the only professional body was the ACFE. And the ACFE is predominantly governed by international standards. And the need in terms of local expertise um, became apparent. So in 2007, we needed to look at whether there is a market. To introduce a South African Professional body That is focused solely on Developing the individuals Within the forensic fraternity To deal with South African law investigations We identified That need and um, um, After a lot of Hard work the ICFP Was formally inaugurated in 2010 Um, And our aim um, Is to develop the individual. Um, We conclude contracts with individual people, with members um, of the ICFP, um, not with corporates, because we believe that it is the individual that actually promotes and that does the investigation. Um, So um, that's where we are at the moment. We're still continuing on that path. Our main focus is still to grow um, in terms of numbers, but also um, to equip all um, members of the ICFP to be the best that they can can be in order to do the job.
1: Chris, when we talk about um, the ICFP developing the individual in terms of um, the forensic investigation side of things What are we talking about? Forensics is such a broad term um, and, and I think for our listeners They need to understand Are we talking about forensics In the broader sense of the term That you guys are teaching people Everything from ballistics to pathology Or are you centered in a specific um, in environment?
0: Chad, our specific uh, focus area Is on commercial crime And like you said There's a very diverse environment That we operate in a very fragmented environment that we operate in. So the, the, the skills uh, that we require in our industry are we can need forensic accountants, for instance, forensic lawyers, yeah. digital forensic experts. We need somebody that can do the investigations itself and then we need uh, people that can proactively look at foreign corruption um, and we also look at soft skills. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, training and development a bit later on, but soft skills is as important as, as other skills. So we look at a, a more complete investigator that has got a background in all those uh, disciplines.
1: Now, Mary Ann, you, you have a background in law enforcement. You come from the Special Investigating Unit, which I regard as one of South Africa's um, elite crime fighting units um, their mandate is limited to presidential proclamation so the public don't get to know that much about the SIU so before we move on to your move from the, the, the public sector into the private sector do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about what the SIU's mandate is and how it's developed over the years and then we can talk about the differences you've experienced moving from the, the public sector into the private sector and seeing the need to educate people that are in this field
2: Okay, so I think everybody's aware and I, I, there's a lot of confusion between the Special Investigating Unit and the Special Investigations Units um, currently within the SAPS. So the SIU's mandate is um, conducting forensic investigations from a civil aspect. Um, so you look at fraud and corruption predominantly executed within government departments. Um, the Act affords the SIU a lot of um, powers um, that is similar To SAPS However it's limited because Where SAPS can ex- actually Execute the SIU can't um, When I was at The the SIU At the beginning stages we, we Also had the tribunal and it's good That the tribunal has now come back Where you can actually see the enforcement Of recommendations that are being made In order for the state to be able to Recoup money Um so that 's the evolution with regard to um, the SIU um, your follow up
1: yeah the follow up was the fact that when you were at, at the SIU mm. there were private sector um, organizations and there were private sector individuals that were seconded to the SIU mm. did that make a difference
2: you know what I think that with all with most Government departments and law law enforcement agencies' capacity will always be an issue. Um, so, at that stage, when the need was identified to bring in private consultants, um, it was to capacitate the investigating teams. Um, also, the the private industry obviously brought in a unique set of of expertise and the diversity in terms of skills um, to to augment. The forensic investigate, um, investigation work. Um, so, yes, there is a vast difference between private sector and SIU. I think in a, in a large respect, I missed the powers that I had when I was an SIU investigator. Um, but the, um, because of the move from government departments to start engaging a lot of private consultants now in executing forensic investigations, there, there's a steady growth, upward movement.
1: Now, Chris, you involved in the day to day activities of the ICFP. Um, we saw post 1994 the security industry grow to the extent that it became the single biggest. Um, Employer in the private sector actually replaced mining and we've Seen a growth over the last couple Of years in terms of people wanting to get Involved in the fight against fraud And corruption but not necessarily be Employed by the state they want to do it In a private capacity we've Seen law firms develop their own forensic Divisions and we've seen audit firms That develop their own forensic divisions For you personally have you seen A growth spurt at all in terms of People wanting to become more involved As civilians in learning more about this field?
0: Jared there's an interesting focus and um, the whole focus changed from being the public sector servant to the private sector. Um, if I can look at the growth within the ICFP the last <clears throat> few years, excuse me, myself and Maryam was talking about it, there's been a phenomenal growth within w- women. Women taking up roles into in forensics and there might be reasons for that. Um, like you said, um, there's a lot of audit companies. There's a lot of law firms uh, starting that capacity, and that's important. Um, we sit in a world that is open up to through the internet. Um, we sit in a world where there was a phenomenal attack on uh, on on our um, uh, economic system. Uh, frosters are innovative. So we need to adapt to that, and we need the skills to adapt to that, and we need to develop people into that environment. So yes, definitely there was a huge growth into into commercial forensics or commercial crime investigations. A big interest, especially from the youngsters, which is great. Uh, we can teach them what um, through tertiary uh, courses that we had to learn the hard way.
1: Well, I find your, 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 comments about, about women being more in, involved and more interested very telling. Um, my boss, um, she would say she's my business partner. I'd say she's my boss. Um, obviously is a woman. And, um, I find that the women are far more tenacious. And it's not to, to diss myself as a man. But it would appear to me that, um, the men like the action. The women are the ones that get down and are able to analyze and able to build a case. That being said, um, when one looks at our National Director of Public Prosecutions, it's a woman and when one looks at, at the new head of the investigative directorate within the NPA, the head is a woman. So there's a lot riding on women and I think South Africa has a lot to be proud of. We had at at a stage I think we may still be the most representative um, country in the world in terms of our parliamentary system, in terms of the divide between men and women and women in South Africa, it's enshrined in the Constitution that um, women of all races are regarded as previously disadvantaged and there's this there's this will and this 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 Urge to be able to empower women So woman power all the way We're going to take a break When we come back on, want to talk about the, the the actual courses Or developmental sessions As they called by the ICFP And um, what they are What the, the aim and objectives are And also how one can be able to um, Receive the very prestigious Designation after their name FPSA You're listening to The Confidential Brief With Chad Thomas On High FM You're listening to Confidential Brief. Um, we're chatting to the ICFP. We have in, in studio the chairperson, Mary Ann Whittles, and the executive manager of the ICFP, uh, Chris De Beer. Before we break, we discussed, we, we said we're going to chat more about the actual developmental Sessions or courses that are offered by the ICFP Now if you're interested in knowing more about the ICFP And you'd like to ask our guests questions You're more than welcome to WhatsApp us on 061-895-1019 You can SMS us on 34519 Or you can send us a tweet at HiFM We'll then be able to ask any questions you want And they obviously have to be related to the training sector of the ICFP And what the aims and objectives of the ICFP are So Chris, back to you developmental session, what is that all about and what are the aims and objectives of that?
0: Jet development sessions are a form of continuous professional development. I mean, if you if you get in an airplane and you trust the pilot who's got a, uh, a pilot's license, you trust that pilot knows how to fly that plane, you trust that the pilot's gone through a medical every year that is fit and proper to fly that plane, and you hope that he knows what to do when, they, when there's a problem. Same with forensic investigators, forensic practitioners. If you hire a forensic practitioner and he's an ICFP member, you're assured that that person has got the skills and the formal qualification to do their job. You know that he goes through a, a continuous development that you're talking about. So he attends sessions and he learns about the new practices, new technology, new laws, all important issues. And that person is the fit and proper person to do the investigation. So in terms of development, um, the ICFP hosts development sessions throughout the year. We call it development sessions. It's a it's a form of a training session. And it's totally free for ICFP members. We offer it throughout South Africa. Uh, we, we, we get specialists in a specific uh, area. Um, it might be a person in the accounting field, in the legal field, in the IT field. On on the uh, f- uh, fraud risk management field, ethics, whatever the case may be, to teach our members about best practice and what's going on in the industry at that stage. And it's a practical type of workshop. Um, for instance, our workshops in Haateng for the last year has been fully booked within a few hours after we advertised it, which shows that the quality of that
1: development, uh, we've got the right uh, mix there. Um, Mary, and let's go back to to, to these developmental sessions. Mm. I hear that they they keep a person abreast of changes in law, changes in investigation skills, tools that are available to investigate. But do, do the people take something away from from that in terms of um, an achievement? Do they get anything in terms of recognition? Can it count towards any other form of 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 um, qualification?
2: So, I think. Let me just take one step just to, 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 to supplement what Chris said or to add on one. So as a board, at the beginning of every year, we sit together and we identify what is current. What are the exposures facing the fraternity at the moment and the type of investigations, the type of fraud or whatever being committed? Um, and we then try to develop sessions, identify sessions with experts in order to cater for that need. Um, so when you, when you, when you attend a development session, you get your CPD points. Um, so there's a certificate that gets issued that can obviously be attached to your, to your CV. Um, and, and it's part of, uh, to, to augment your CV at the end of the day, you can say that I've gone for X training. Um, so there is something to gain from this other than the fact that, that it is free
1: for everybody for the ICFP, ICFP members. members so so they, they learning now let's let's go to the second part of the question mm. is there a specific because I see credits are given in terms of the training yes. what are these credits towards and what can somebody aim to achieve by attending multiple developmental sessions etc and should they have some pre-qualification before they start attending these sessions
0: I had to answer your last question first. you do not need any pre-qualification. If you've got an interest in the the industry, you're welcome. Uh, The CPD uh, uh, requirements are aligned with that of SACWA, South African Qualifications Authority. Now, the ICFP are credited with SACWA, and there are certain rules and regulations that we as an institute must follow and our members must follow. One of them are... Uh, The formal tertiary qualifications The RPL program Which is a recognition for prior learning And continuous development Now the CPD or continuous development Now each professional body Needs to develop a policy In line with what SACWA's requirements are And so did we So you need a CPD To show Either SACWA Or the ICFP That you're continuing with your learning and development Throughout that uh, cycle It's an important aspect.
1: And tell me, what what are the kind of qualifications that people should look at? We get a lot of youngsters contacting us. They're in Senate 9. They're going into matric. They're thinking about their futures. um, And they want to know what should they study if they want to become involved in the private sector um, law enforcement industry Specifically the investigation of white collar crime You as, as somebody that's come from The public sector and now working in the Private sector, what would your recommendation Be to somebody who's writing Matric and wants to join The industry
2: So typically it would it'd be Your normal BCOM, your auditing Your accounting um, Legal IT um, That should then be supplemented post your tertiary qualification with some sort of forensic investigation degree. Now, we have partnered with the Northwest University where um, an individual that does not necessarily have the formal qualification in terms of forensic investigations, um, where they are exposed to different courses that include forensic accounting, forensic law, um, IT investigations, um, fraud and risk management, those are the and and at at NQF level six, uh, six, six eight, so. at the moment. Yes. What is good about that gaining that qualification um, is the fact that we also assist you in getting it. Um, so with a financial contribution from the ICFB side, um, and that's 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 mostly for our junior um, uh, 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 members, the associate members in the fraternity. Um, our board examination is currently being administered by two institutions, like I indicated, Northwest. But we have also partnered with UNISA uh, for um, a postgraduate in forensic account, um, auditing um, degree. Um, and this supplements these BCOM legal degrees that don't necessarily give you the exposure in forensic investigations. Um
1: Yeah. Well, I think that sums up the educational side of things. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we want to talk more about the industry as a whole, the growth in the industry, why there is a need for people to to become more involved in private sector law enforcement, and what the future holds for an organization such as the ICFP. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High fm Well, that's true. Um, You get periods of time during the year where uh, people do need help. A lot of people don't call out for help. And then you say, I'm sure I could have seen the signs. I should have known something was going on, and it's too late. And uh, as a community, people need to come together. And I think that's one of the biggest problems in South Africa is we've forgotten that sense of community, and it's something that needs to be reestablished. Today we're chatting to the ICFP, that is the Institute of Karen- C- Commercial Forensic Practitioners. Quite a mouthful. Um, let's talk about that. How did you come up with the name, Mary?
0: Well, uh, it was, uh, I mean, the what name, the name is there? derived from what we do. Mm-hmm. So what, commercial
1: what, forensics? okay. So the Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners. Now mm. I love the word practitioner, but does it not hound you every time you're busy p- compiling a document that practitioner isn't recognized by most diaries and it lands up having coming up red and you have to try introduce to your diary the fact that the word practitioner actually exists as a British word because most of our computers are set for the US. So what does a, a, a commercial forensic practitioner do? and what would they be able to do should they enter into your RPL course?
0: Just just on a practitioner word, um, a lot of people know us as forensic auditors. But I must emphasize, we're not auditors. We do not give an opinion on the fair value of, for instance, internal controls or financial statements. We do not work on sampling. We do not do substantive testing. That's why uh, we're not... uh, 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 we ha- we're not uh, re- uh, regulated under law like for instance the urban members are so that's why the name practitioner came from you can call it the investigator the same thing in terms of RP- RPL I think what we identified from the from the beginning is that you've got people that's got a lot of skills but you have people who want to enter the industry uh, and, and uh, just an interesting uh, uh, conversation I had Last Friday is another mum phoning me and say, my daughter want, or my son wants to enter the industry. Of course, he's very inquisitive. But it's not about that. I mean, a lot of those kids do not make it. The mum wants to make it. But the child's not interested in the industry. So if you, if you want to become involved in, in uh, investigations, you have got that unique personality as well. But talking about recognition, uh, um, uh, um Rescues and, and uh, recognition You can have a matrix And still enter the industry That's what's nice about it um, We've developed our Short course, our board examination So that we can then develop Your skills and train you accordingly You just need that Practical experience afterwards You can either be an attorney And also enter through that route um, We give a, a Accreditation for some of the modules that you did Already, we don't want to um, compete in that way But in Northwest University is very helpful in that regard And it's the same with UNISA But there's also other universities Like uh, U- UKZN There's um, UCT That also some of the courses are created You go to those universities And go through that route um, Recognition of prior learning One of the things are If you've got 15 years of experience And that's a route that most of us went through because there was no formal tertiary in education during that time, so we had another route, and we had to develop this, develop this route for people. So 15 years relevant experience, plus a matric, will get you in the market, and you will earn a professional designation, which you mentioned earlier. There was a FPSA designation.
1: Now, what fascinates me, Marianne, is the fact that people are unaware of the work that's done by commercial forensic practitioners such as yourselves. And to call a spade a spade, most people think that investigations in the private sector are undertaken by people termed as private investigators. Now, private investigators, the old school private investigators from the old days, were chaps that uh, had most probably retired from the police, had a tape recorder, had a set of binoculars. And their mission in life was to, to establish whether a husband was cheating on his wife. Um, obviously that has changed exponentially in South Africa Where the the independent investigation environment Is such that they are, are are held in very high regard In respect to the fact that they investigate From a perspective of knowledge You made mention of lawyers, you made mention of accountants And I also said earlier that you found accounting firms And legal firms have even established Their very own forensic divisions Now that being said, what a lot of people are unaware of is that there are rights bestowed upon um, individuals to investigate in South Africa, and that that goes back to State v. Bota in 1995, where the learned judge stated that it was not the sole domain of the South African police services to investigate a crime that's taken place. And that opened up the doors for various government departments to establish their own internal investigative units It opened up the doors for... Um, Law firms and accounting firms To be able to also investigate And of course it opened up a whole new market Specifically um, People that want to do this kind of training To practice individually So Mary Ann, would you say that The majority of your um, Members are practicing Independently or are they with Bigger firms
2: We've got a variety, It's it's a diverse Membership component So we've got Members that work in government or um, institutions, we've got from the banking sector, insurance, we've got private investigators, we've got your typical auditing firms, the big four audit firms, um, which is our our big um, membership base. We've also got the SAU that is part of. So it's a mixture um, of of diverse skills and and members. So you're not confined. You need to understand that the principles underlying an investigation is the same, whether it's a commercial crime, whether it's a murder, whether it's theft that you're investigating. You need to break it down into the elements, and if you are a person that has problem-solving skills and that can analyse documentation and analyse the the, the 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 circumstances, then you are fit to become. Um, I, uh, uh, a member of the ICFB and to, and to work in the forensic industry
1: Chris the organization Turns 10 next year You've had your ups You've had your downs But all in all you guys have achieved A lot within those 10 years Last year's conference Your, your keynote speaker was, was a regular to our show And a friend of our show Mandy Weiner. And this year you're going to have a conference as well Chat tell us about the, the, the point of the conferences. When you're done with that, tell us about some of the highlights over the last 10 years.
0: Chad, let's look at the highlights. Um, one of the highlights for me was definitely the, the awarding of the professional designation. It was a three-year project that we worked on, um, and I'm very proud that we achieved that. Uh, another highlight for me is the fact that we are able to financially assist Students to do the board exam mm-hmm. uh, We have Paid out more or less The same amount of money Or equal to our One year's operational uh, income It's astonishing So one year operational income has gone for subsidies It's brilliant um, I think our board the, the diversity of our board you know, And the different skill sets they bring For me is always a highlight of the ICFP It, it, it brings new ideas And new strategies every year in terms of the conference, yeah, Mandy was our keynote last year. Um, we all know Mandy is a very exciting uh, speaker. This year we've got Mr. Bernard Hotz, He's, uh, he's from v- Vatmont Attorneys. He's a partner there. And he's been involved with the VBS investigation, the v- uh, Vendor Banking Society investigation. And he's going to give us some, some background on that investigation. It's going to be exciting.
1: We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat about how you can become involved with ICFP and what's required of you should you want to join this exciting and challenging industry. You're listening to The Confidential Brief with Chad Thomas on High fm You're listening to Confidential Brief, and I'm in conversation with the chairperson and the executive manager of the Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners. (laughs) They're (laughs) tongue-tied. I was not going to get tongue-tied on the Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners, but I got tongue-tied on the word tongue-tied. Just my luck. Marianne, how long have you been chair of the ICFP?
2: It's my second year now.
1: And how long is your term of office? Two years. So um, do you get to stand for office again? Was there anything you aimed to achieve during these past two years? And have you achieved that?
2: Look, it's work in progress. Um, uh, we're still working on our, our, our membership base. We're still working on um, promoting the ICFP and expanding our footprint within South Africa. Um, I am able to stand again. I've been a board member, I think, since 2000 and. 15,
0: 16. Yeah,
2: around about there. Um, so yes, there's a lot that we still need to achieve. I think that um, we are a more operational, um, focused board where we actively work in order to 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 bring in and 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 um, uh, uh, um, develop and also to promote um, our our the ICFB.
1: Chris, you're the engine room behind the ICFP. So I'm, I'm assuming a lot of planning goes into your annual conference, a lot of planning goes into the developmental sessions. What is your, your to date, your accomplishment that you're the most proud of, apart from the FPSA designation? Uh,
0: yes, Chad, we've got so many initiatives that we identified. I think one of the proudest ones is the Centre of Excellence that mm-hmm. we introduced three years back. Centre of Excellence... Um, Give me some background. It's a practical workshop where we've got we take a case study, we get a group of people together and we go through that case study. Um, the f- the first year we had assimilated or assimilated the spring hearing, which was fantastic because we had role players and we laughed all the all uh, the whole time. It's a two day event, uh, a training event, and then the case study. That is one a things that I'm very proud uh, about. Development sessions, it's got its life of its own. It's it's grown. Um, And and we've got breakfast sessions as well. It's also got a life of its own. But a new initiative that I'm very excited about is that we're involving all the universities now. We're going to come together a few times a year. We're going to discuss best practice. We're going to look at the code of of ethics. Uh, We're going to look at um, possible standard setting And introduce that within the university. So we all can talk from the same
1: voice. Marianne, tell our listeners the importance of having a designation after your name, such as FPSA, having those letters. For you, what does it mean as somebody who's grown throughout the industry?
2: Personally, and I think that for a lot of members, because it was quite an exciting time when um, we did inform our members, it's just being able to be affiliated to a professional body. With that comes a lot of respect from clients as well, because one, they regard you as competent. If you are able to get a designation behind your name, it means that you are qualified to do something. Um, And it has... it, it. I think that with the if the, what we have realised and what we've seen in the growth of the membership is once we we, we got that designation, um, the membership base grew, and we have um, an, a lot of um, interest being shown and and from different corners and I mean on the African continent itself. You know, where members are striving to become associated and affiliated with the um, ICFP.
1: So, Chris, as the chief administrator of the organization, um, if somebody wants to become a member, what do they need? Um, If they want to start attending developmental sessions, if they want to be subscribed to your your newsletter, what do they need? And who in particular are you looking for to keep the industry standards high?
0: Well, Chair, that process starts when, uh, to to keep a standards eye, the process starts with the application of that member. We want to get a person that shares the same values that we have, first of all. The process to apply is quite easy. You've got, you go to the website, you complete the application form, all the relevant documentation. The evaluation process is quite strict because we want to make sure the person applies got, is a person who says he, he is. Ethical values is high We can verify all the qualifications, criminal background The basic stuff So we satisfy an employer, client That that has been done First of all So that process is simple person becomes an associate member And he can then uh, at no cost Attend any uh, development session Of the ICFP
1: And then where do they go from there To be able to, to get the FPSA designation?
0: Well it's in a process of Developing that person There's two aspects that's important Is the board exam um, The two or three year board exam And the practical experience That person needs to gain uh, At either employer Or at client level So a person needs to do the board exam And you need your three years practical experience And then There's a relation process And you can qualify for that designation
1: Mary, would you agree with me When I say it's brought about um, prestige to the industry That people can have a local Homegrown designation that's now Recognized by all the statutory bodies By SACWA, by the Universities, that they can now put this Behind their name and be able to operate Feeling that they are in a Position of of competence
2: Absolutely Absolutely um, I think that we In the past, it was if you were um, A commercial forensic examiner uh, Examiner, that had An element of prestige To it, um, everybody aspired To become a CFE And we wanted To have that Same feeling For lack of a better word From our members um, So yes, absolutely um, it, it, With that comes The prestige of being Not just belonging to a professional body But also knowing that your client comes to you having the satisfaction that I am employing a competent or appointing a competent individual.
1: Final words from you, Chris. How do people get in touch with the ICFP, and are you on social media as well?
0: Yes, it's, um, we are on, on, uh, we've got a website, um, www.icfp.co.za. It's easy. Give me a call. Give the office a call. We've got a Facebook page. And we've got a LinkedIn page. I'm not very strong on, on the social media stuff myself, uh, but we try to keep it updated. So, yeah, welcome, everybody. If you've got, um, from a public side, if they've got questions about a certain person, they want to verify the membership status of a person, you're welcome to contact the ICFP.
1: Mary, in closing, why should somebody join the ICFP if they are if they are involved in investigations?
2: Because yeah, we are uniquely South African. Um, South Africa is a unique country with tr- a tremendous amount of legislation governing um, processes. Um, and the legislation within South Africa pr- sets parameters. And, and I think that um, with the ICFP equipping you in order to interpret what you work on on a daily work with on a daily basis—it's the way to go. You know, we we uh, we as members of the ICF, we pride ourselves in being able to cater for the individual needs of the local market, and it can only be in your best interest if you want to move within this um, fraternity that um, you become affiliated
1: the Institute of Commercial Forensic Practitioners, www.icfp.co.za. No more tongue ties for me today. Uh, Miriam Whittles, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Chris, thank you so much. I look forward to um, hearing more about your your conference. We'll definitely be telling our listeners more about your conference closer to the time. And um, to those out there, the website is www.icfp.co.za. I'll be back next week. I'll be chatting to Brad Stein about his book, Walking with Mandela's Spies.